1: Hey, my first guest today is someone I've known for a while, in fact, decades. We actually talk about that in the show, and you can certainly see there our friendship comes through in spades about how much we do like each other, respect each other. Well, we travel in the same circles, and he is one hell of a professional speaker. By the age of 21, he chatted with the president in the Oval Office, had lunch with the president of Brazil, had a private meeting with the chairman of General Motors, and even dined with the real-life Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken fame. I'm telling you, this guy has been around, and he helps people truly uh, stand out. So how does one do that and become a global speaker? Scott McCain is the founder and CEO of the Distinction Institute. He's a Hall of Fame speaker, with my uh, sharing that honor with myself and many others, and he is a keynote speaker extraordinaire. Scott, Welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazley.
2: Yeah, Jeffrey, you know, I, I, you said how long we've known each other and I'm sitting here counting and I, <laughs> it's, it's a long time. It's, it's a, it's a, it's quite a while. You bet. I think we, we started about, young though, didn't we, my friend? Yeah, I
1: th- we did, we did. We started, I, it's got to be about 25, maybe 30 years. Maybe it's 30. Yeah. Yeah, pretty close to that, yeah. you know, because you and I started in the speaking industry when we we're going to the convention. There was only a couple hundred people at the convention yeah. back then. You know, now, of yeah. course, there's thousands at the National Speaker Association. And then, of course, we've done, I, I don't even know how many stages. Uh, when you think about that, I have to add that up, you know, for uh, the average number of people. I mean, we've got to, oh, my gosh, I don't even know. I know we've impacted millions of people because of television. Of course, you're, you hear your voice. You've done radio and everything else as well. How did,
2: you, how did you get started in the business? Well, it kind of goes back to what you were talking about. I, I was very fortunate in my rural community of Crothersville, Indiana, to be a member of FFA, Future Farmers of America. It was back then. Now it's just FFA, but it, but then it was yeah. still Future Farmers. And I and, uh, got in public speaking contests and all that. I was fortunate enough to be elected the state president in Indiana and then a national officer the next year. And, and so you take two years off college and you do nothing but travel and speak. And that's how I met. Uh, all those folks that you were talking about earlier for the first time. And and I, as I would travel and speak, uh, parents would be in the audience and some, you know, some kid's mom was the bank president or dad ran the insurance company. And he'd say, hey, would you come back and give that little talk to my group next year? And you know what I did, Jeffrey, because I didn't have, I, I, my family owned a business, you know, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, but what I would do is I would make a list of the things I learned by talking to those people. I'd share it in my little speech, oh, you know, I'm 20 yeah. years old. And what would happen is, you know, somebody would come up and they'd go, Hey, I've got a better idea. They'd either write an idea that I'd shared down, which meant I kept it in the speech They'd come up and say, I got a better idea. Well, after a decade of doing that, it was the greatest practical learning laboratory you can imagine, because I was hearing what worked, from people that were really on the front lines. It wasn't theory. It was all what people were actually doing. Then I got a chance to be involved in uh, some other businesses of my own in in various industries. So I, I gained the business experience there, but that combination really served me well.
1: So what was your first real business experience? What was your, you know, was it, was it in the radio business or what? I, I, when
2: I, I started radio on my 14th birthday, <laughs> in fact, get, which was which out. was terrible because you know your voice is changing, and I got some horrible old tapes of me calling <laughs> basketball saying, "There's the shot." It's good. It's <laughs> you know, good. It's you know, good. It's, it's good.
3: <laughs> it's it's so. Good.
2: But oh, that hilarious. But, but then you know, as as uh, I got older, you know, I'm I'm a senior in high school, and and that summer between uh, high school and college, and. Uh, yeah they said, Hey, do you want to, you know, you can make more money if you get into sales. So I started yeah. selling ads. Uh, so I'd be on the air and then I'd go out and I'd sell ads. And I'd learned it uh, firsthand it's, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to uh, hear about it or talk about it than it is to go out and knock on doors and do it. But it was just, yeah, what, what did
1: experience. you like doing better? Did you like the sales side or did you like
2: being the performer? You know what? What I liked was being able to do both, uh, really, yeah. because I, I like the performing aspect, but but understanding how business works and 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 understanding the power of communication. You know how sales can be uh, communication. Uh, we we you and I about this before. Uh, effective isn't good enough. You got to be persuasive, and yeah. that was that was the main skill that I learned during that that period of time. Um after I graduated from college the uh college that I went to Franklin College in Indiana offered me a job to be their director of public affairs and the annual fund which meant I was I, I raised cash gifts um <laughs> and the uh, the person before me raised about 400 grand I raised a million they gave me a $1000 raise so I No thought wow. I raised- yeah, So I, at that time, I realized higher, higher education ed- was not for me. <laughs>
1: yeah, higher education doesn't mean higher profit or higher money yeah, in your pocket, right. higher pay. That's you're for exactly sure. right.
2: Well, yeah. well, and you know, it's, it's one of those things. And, and I know that you've been through a similar thing. It's, it's like you realize if if I would have spent the time building my business, as opposed to all the sweat and effort I put into raising money for, for another one, then I could be successful. And so that's really when I went, full-time and, and, and devoted all my work to speaking.
1: You know, and that's a key point. It, there's nothing wrong with working for someone else if you're being recognized or it's contributing yes. to part of what, you know, not everybody's always about the money, right? Yeah, but where exactly. you can build wealth, which is a big, of one of my conditions of satisfaction. It's always one of those things. So even when I worked in a major corporation or a big company, like a fortune 100 company, I was okay with it because I got stock options and I got, you know, uh, bonuses and things like that. So to me, you know, I actually had a dream last night. I was still working for Kodak. I don't know what that meant. I have no idea what that meant, but last night I... You you talk about ultimate customer experiences don't just happen. I think that's one of the cool things I like about you is all your stories and wonderful things that you talk about customer
2: service. So how do you make ultimate customer experiences happen? Well, I think one of the things to begin with is the understanding that what's ultimate for you might not be what I desire. And so part of that is we have to be close enough to our customers understand what what reaches them and and what makes an impact on them. But what we find with groups that deliver ultimate customer experiences are they know more about their customer than the competition. They care more about the customer than the competition and they execute for the customer better than the competition. So it it, it widely varies. You know, what, what you would find really appropriate at a retail store would be inappropriate at a funeral home. But but at the end of the day, I think Jeffrey. there's more fun. But more fun. Maybe maybe so. (laughs) Hey, here's your discount on your second death. All right, come on back. (laughs) Hey, hey, we're hey, we're doing a two for one special today at the red light. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) If you can get somebody else in your family to die. Anyway, it's there's three levels in which we interact with our customers. Level one is processing is the elements of the transaction the customer has a right to expect. Uh, I, one of the things I say in every speech is customers don't want you to make it right. They want you to get it right. And so that's level one. Level two is service. After you've, after you've taken care of the basic needs, now now serve me. I, I want it to be efficient. I want it to be pleasant. Yeah. But then the highest level is the experience because the experience adds the elements of personalization and emotion. And when you can create that kind of feeling, you know, it, it, automobile dealers sell a lot of cars or at least they did before the current situation. Right. But, but isn't it interesting that if we see somebody going down the road in a car identical to ours, we don't say, Oh, look, someone made a similar purchase decision. We say, look, that yeah. dude's driving my car, right? We, we, we have yeah. such personal identification with that car. And part of what we have to do in business is to get people to have, you know, loyalty is only created at level three because you'd never be loyal to something toward which you have no feeling. And so by creating that feeling, that connectivity, that emotion through the experience, that's how we get repeat and referral business. And that's why the ultimate customer experience is so critical to business success.
1: Well, speaking of loyalty, I'm loyal to my advertisers and people to support this show to make it all happen. So let me take a quick break, I'll be right back.
3: With supply chains becoming more complex,
1: Hey, we're back and we're, we're doing a live cast on LinkedIn and on Facebook as we are taping an episode of All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. And I'm speaking with Scott McCain. Scott McCain is a keynote speaker, Hall of Fame, and he's the CEO and founder of Distinction Institute. And he is without a doubt distinct in itself and he teaches people how to be distinct. Hey, speaking of distinct, we, we know in the speaking industry that there are such things as, as signature stories. Yeah. Now these are stories that you and I can only tell because they're dis- they're distinct to us, right? They happen to <laughs> us, and they are, and it and it frames who we are. Like you have t- you have Taxi Terry, I think is, <laughs> is Taxi Terry. You have another one on cufflinks, which I just love, and I actually quoted oh, in really my book. You, you know, I have my 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 inkjet story about it, yeah, ink right, and, and right. pheasants, right? And so we all have that. How do you how do you develop a signature story?
2: Boy, what a great question, Jeffrey. I, you know, yeah. I, I, I think one of the things is that it's, first of all, it's grounded in, in reality, right? I mean, the taxi ferry right. ride really did happen. That's why I put a picture yeah. up of him so that, because I found that audiences were thinking it was a made up story. Well, it really happened. And, and so I think that's the beginning of it. But I think the key to a signature story is the audience stops seeing the speaker. You know, they, they, they stop seeing me in the backseat of the cab. And they start seeing themselves there. Yeah. And, and I think that's what's so great about the stories that you tell is that you get into the story. And when you start, I see this happening to you. But the longer you go, I go, gosh, that could be me. I, you know, I, I, yeah. and, and so when the audience sees themselves in that story rather than you in that story, then that's, that's when it really has resonance and traction.
1: Well, I think we paint that picture. We we put, yeah. we put give it emotion in such a way. And those signature stories are attached to us, just like signature experiences or stories are attached for customer experience, right? It's, it's the same exactly. thing. And and we as speakers, we give this. And have you ever had anyone tell your signature story on stage? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Isn't
2: that amazing? It, like... Uh, They they told the Taxi Terry story. And and, uh, here's the crazy thing. They came up to me later and said, oh, they told it. And people, there are people in the audience that had heard me before and said, oh, that's Scott's story, you know, because that's the other thing about a signature story that that your stories are you and, and they're part of your brand and they're part of who you are. So then the next time the guy gets up and he says, I want to tell you a story that Scott McCain tells. And then he told the story like that made it okay. You know, and it's. it's, Yeah,
1: I'm looking, I'm looking at, for those of you who are listening on the podcast, I'm looking in disbelief because you can't do that. You can't, you can't go and give a Nordstrom experience. It's Nordstrom's. You can't give a Ritz-Carlton experience. It's Ritz-Carlton's for God's sakes. Or you can't give a double, a a chocolate chip cookie because it's double trees, okay? You just don't do those things because they're unique, right, Terry?
2: I, I, you're exactly right. And, and that's the thing. I mean, I'm escape. so, I'm so, fi- I'm so fixated <laughs> on Jackson- uh, Taxi <laughs> Perry. I'm looking at you like how you've transformed <laughs> oh, me there I, already. I do. Oh. I do what you're doing. You know, and that's the thing. Uh, you, the example that you gave was perfect because you know, if, if I start a hotel and start giving out chocolate chip cookies, then, then the initial thing is, Oh, he's ripping off Doubletree. The, the very yeah. thing that you thought was going to help you, be like the competition. And, and that's one of the points that I make in the, in the latest book, Iconic, is the first rule for Iconic business is that you play offense, not defense. I, I, I see so many businesses that think the right. way that they're going to be okay is to see what their competitor is doing and then try to do that incrementally better. And instead, you play offense, not, not defense. You determine the game well, you're going to play and go after it.
1: Well, your book Iconic is is in itself iconic and I love it. And a lot of times I see it right now in the the airports at the same time as my book, the hero club. And we've been out, we both of us have had this book out for a couple of years now. And as a result of that, we're still in the airports. I'm still seeing it in the bookshops, which is awesome. We know that as authors, that's a big thing because um, just because of placement, how the business works, we won't get into that. (laughs) You you said something early on that kind of uh, hit to me on this, on the customer experience again you know, we're doing something in a different way for the, for the customer because you understand the customer so well. So many times businesses set up 800 numbers, which I think are just sons of a bitch and things, torture test, you know, and, <laughs> and things. But businesses do things for operations because they want it to do it that way because it's convenient for them, not for customers, right? right. And that's exactly. a big mistake for businesses. do you, do you still see that happening a lot? You know,
2: Jeffrey, I had a chance, you know, we all have these speeches that are, are unique and special occasionally, and I'm, I'm the only non-doctor to have keynoted, at least at the time it happened, I don't know, in the last year or two, but I'm, I'm the only non-doctor to have keynoted the American Academy of Cosmetic Surgeons. So I'm talking to the surgeons. I, I'm afterwards. the before.
1: I, if they have me, and I'm the before, I'm the before yeah. one. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: what? Well, Sorry. But, The interesting thing was I'm talking to him, you know, we're, we're all sitting around having a drink after everything's over that day. And, and, um, one of the things that was brought up was that you can, you can go to college, get your bachelor's, uh, go to medical school, be an intern, be a resident, become a surgeon and have never taken a single course on the patient experience on bedside manner. And uh, and there was a representative from AIG sitting there, which is the main malpractice insurer, and, the, and they said that's and that's why most doctors get sued is because not of technical skill, but of lack of communication with with their patient. Yeah. Well, then the blinding flash. The obvious for me was, isn't it amazing that at many schools, many business schools in this country, you can get your MBA and have never taken a course on customers and the customer experience. Yeah. You understand EBITDA, you, you can read a balance sheet like the back of your hand, but yet you, we, we have trained a generation of leaders to, to, to look at expenses and people as expenses, not as assets. I go to so many meetings, and you do too, where they get up and they say, our people are our biggest asset, and then they turn around and treat them like an expense. Totally. We've, we've got to find a better way.
1: Yeah, that's why I talk about in The Hero Factor, my book, I talk about putting people over profits. But right now, um, I need to talk about profits, and I need to talk to people, and I need to take a quick break, and I'll be right back.
0: C-Suite Radio.
1: All right, we are back live right here on Facebook and LinkedIn as we're broadcasting, doing a live cast of All Business with Jeffrey Islet on C Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. And I'm talking with Scott McCain, the founder and CEO of the Distinction Institute, the author of numerous best-selling books, but his his best-selling books and his most recent one, Iconic. And it's all we're talking about, how to be iconic, how to, to have customer experiences that stand out, how to stand out with signature stories on stage or as experiences and so forth. You know, right now, Scott, a lot of us in the, you know, that are Hall of Fame speakers and many other speakers are experiencing a whole different uh, turmoil in the industry. We're not on stages. And what are you seeing as opportunities out there for speakers and others and that the other businesses can use as well as an example? I mean, we, when we look at us and what we do and our signature stories, well, that applies, as I said, to Nordstrom's and all these great companies. But at the same time, what we do and how we pivot and change is also an opportunity and a lesson learned for a lot of other businesses. So you're not on stage as much right this minute because
2: right. we're not going anywhere. So, my, my wife is tired of hearing the taxi Terry story, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, after, yeah, after the after Damn the. Damn it! could you sit times, right here while I tell you this one more time? You know, yeah, it's not, she, not really yeah, working.
1: She beat you to the punchline. That's that's yeah. what sucks. Yeah, it does. <laughs> what, so oh, what yeah. are you doing? So what are you doing to to find opportunities that you're seeing right now that other people's might might not be taking advantage of?
2: Well, you know, Jeffrey, I, mean, I think what you've done is is a great model uh, for all of us uh, with that. I, I'm, I've got some friends in the music business, and uh, uh, one of the things that uh, I'm talking to the folks in this particular country music band, Diamond Rio, that's a uh, six-time oh, yeah. country music group yeah. the year, and they're, they're some of my best pals. And they said, uh, you know, part of what we realized was we, we didn't think of our business right. And I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, we thought it was the concerts, but, no. but really it's the song, right? If, yeah. if you have a great song, then people go to the concert and people buy your CDs or stream you on Spotify and they join your fan club and they buy your T-shirts. and and the blinding flash, the obvious for me there was, I had thought my business was speaking and it's not. My business is content. It's, it's the content. And Amen, brother. Speaking to me is what concerts are to them. But if you don't have the good content, just like if they don't have good songs, nobody wants you. So so really what we have to do is, is you know, I, I, and the word pivot makes sense, but but I'm from Indiana where we play a lot of basketball and pivot means that you also turn your back to something. And I, I don't want to turn right. my back to it, but what I want to do is embrace. I, I want to get bigger and and realize that there are other ways to distribute the content. I think what you're doing here is marvelous. I mean, it's, it's exactly what the future is. And it, I, th- I think that virtual meetings, they're not going away. I mean, they're it, not going away. Oh, no. I mean, this is too, too easy. I, I, th- I think what's going to happen is we're going to think if you think about an event, these big events where you speak and where I get the chance to speak, they're produced like a concert or like a Broadway show. Right Now yep. we've got to start thinking like broadcasters. We got to change from thinking like stage producers into thinking like we're broadcasters. And broadcasting is, as you know better than anybody, it's different than being on stage. It's an intimate yep. medium. It is It is us talking one-on-one and, and our goal is to make everybody listening or everybody watching feel like they've got a seat at the table, too, as opposed to be in the audience, right? They have a seat at the table as well. And, and I, I, th- I think we get back to the core content, but we have to learn or expand our skills because, it, it, you know, the, I, I th- when you think of the millions spent on office rent, billions spent on office rent right. every month, and, right. and now we can get employees to pay their own rent? because <laughs> they're working at right. home and, for, and office furniture
1: and office furniture. Don't forget oh. that they're paying for that too. And everything Absolutely. else. And it, you know, but you're, you're spot on. And I thank you for realizing it. You now have to be a media company. Listen, folks. You have to be your own network, and and I've been saying this and preaching this, for and years. now I find like I've been saying it for years, and I'm actually getting better at it in terms of what we're going to do and how we're going to go. And so I want you to think about this because Scott just said it. Be a media company. It's about the content, stupid. Okay, content. You're going to be giving your content away. I know that sounds crazy. I know that you know that a a rock star or country music band says, "What are you talking about? Give my songs away?" Yes. Grateful Dead did it for years and look at one of the most successful franchises. And that was not something just because they were smoking stuff by there at the concert either. I'm telling you, it's because it was good business. And you're going to start to see speakers, authors, everyone give it away in order to build that community, build that network. It, you're spot on. You're absolutely spot on. So watch for me more there, Scott. I'm going to be telling more and more people about that. And you are you are insightful. You are brilliant, sir. <laughs>
2: well, I'm, I'm following your lead, pal. I'm telling you, I, you've you've been saying that for years, and uh, I, I, everybody's catching up. You know, As uh, you know,
1: Gene, Gene Simmons? He goes, "You're you're a powerful and good-looking man." That's what I have to say to you. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> Hey, what's next for you? Where are you at? Where are you at next? What
2: are you going to be doing? i got a new book coming out uh, in August called The Ultimate Customer Experience. So I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I, I've talked about that forever, but I've never titled the book that. So we're going uh, oh, to release, yeah, release a book on The Ultimate Customer Experience. And, and uh, matter of fact, I just turned it in the manuscript yesterday because I wanted to involve, you know, how, how does that change in a post-pandemic world? And, and I'll give you, here's a spoiler alert. The, the basics are still the same. Uh, the methodology may be different, right? But guess what? Customers want a great experience. And, 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 and part of what I talk about in the book too is the cycle, this, this death spiral that some companies get into. I'll give a quick example. Remember Circuit City? Uh, when, Circuit oh, yeah. when Circuit City's fortunes turned, first thing they did was, was fire the most experienced people because they were yeah. making the most money, right? So, so then you walked in the store and there wasn't anybody to wait on you and the ones that did wait on you didn't know what they were doing. So then yeah, what did they smart. do again? They fired another round of people, which made it, and they got in this spiral. I, I, I had a, a problem with a, a, a company a while back and, and I wrote and I said, can you give me one example, just one, of a company that improved its fortunes by treating customers worse? <laughs> Man, what, nobody, they a nobody that turned it? around because they treated customers worse than they did before i, I, That's I can't crazy. think of what's nuts. nuts
1: nuts who can hey the new book's coming out in august i'm gonna have to have you back on bestseller tv i know you've been oh, on bestseller tv before we're gonna have you, you back of course uh we're talking with my good friend scott mccain the founder and ceo of distinction institute rush out get his book iconic You need to learn how to be iconic in this new pandemic world. You need to learn how to be iconic no matter in what fricking world you're in. So go get that book and make it happen. Scott, thanks for being right here on all business with Jeffrey Hazel. You're the best, my friend.
2: It's always great seeing you. And I look forward to catching up with you again sometime soon.
1: The end of every show. I like to talk about the things I learned and coming up after this, I'm going to have someone talking about how to keep more of your cash in your pocket by watching credit card systems. And you might think that's not interesting, but let me tell you folks, it is. And making money and keeping your money is. But what I learned today from Scott McCain, um, I learned so many good things, Uh, signature stories, the need for your own signature stories in your business. But the key word that I learned from Scott today, and it's from his book, his latest book, and that's Being Iconic. How can you be iconic? You want to own the category. You want to own your space. You got to be iconic. You have to do things better than anyone else. This good isn't good enough. It has to be the best. And to be the best, you've got to be iconic. And that's what I learned. You have to stand out above all the others. And you have to work on that and listen to your customers and drive it home. And so it's part of your culture, part of everything that you do to be iconic my next guest is going to talk about cash and cash is king we all know that every business needs money to survive and it's essential that we keep the cash flowing right now i've been saying that since the beginning of this COVID-19 stuff now more than ever and every little bit helps. You've got to get your cash. You need to be looking at your systems right now and finding where you can find cash that you can put back in your pocket and back in your business. And my next guest today is the co-founder and partner of Delta Payment Solutions, a company that searches for the best innovation in payment processing. That's right, your credit card system, your merchant accounts. To date, they've reduced payment processing costs for members by millions of dollars, okay? To find out how we keep some of our hard-earned cash, please welcome Ben Leviton to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel.
3: Hey, Jeffrey. Thanks, man. Great to be here.
1: Well, uh, it is good to have you and I thank you so much for being a part of it. Talk to me a little bit about how do you optimize payment solutions for your clients and how have you been able to give them over 3 million bucks back in fees? I know and you're just a startup. So, yeah, I know yeah. the 3 million yeah. is as a low number because it's going to have zeros to it, lots of them but mm-hmm. uh, because i know what your model is and quite frankly i'm looking at investing in you as well so uh, there's a double double piece there so i'll disclose that right off the bat to everybody but so how do you how do you help optimize payment solutions cuz isn't it just locked in
3: yeah you know most folks um feel like they're locked in certainly they're captive to these uh very confusing and opaque contracts that they sign with the merchant provider they uh, may, might get started quickly with, uh, you know, a quick and easy one like Stripe or Square or something like that. And then, lo and behold, their business takes off and they realize they've been locked in to this very expensive contract and aren't really sure what to do. So what we realized was, you know, every business uh, is is looking to optimize and squeeze that last margin out without sacrificing that customer experience and the customer convenience. So our strategy has been, as as former executives ourselves, is let's figure this out. Let's find a way to get the power of of the group, the power of of a co-op, actually, is our structure, to... Uh, uh, negotiate against those big guys and give ourselves, uh, you know, the, the opportunity to, to work collectively to, to solve that problem because nobody likes to spend money. They, they, they don't need to.
1: Well, right now, especially because everything's being bought online right now or with a credit card for the most part. I mean, I can't tell you in seven weeks, I've got a stack of cash that's still setting up on my dresser. I shouldn't say that because somebody might drop by my house, but I do. I, you know, that normally I carry my walking around money, which is, you know, three or four hundred bucks. I, I care. I like to carry a lot so I can, you know, you never know when something good's going to come along. But I haven't pulled that out to use at all in the last seven weeks. It's all credit card.
3: You know, it's you're, you're, you're going to be going through the roof. You're just like what's happening, what we see happening with consumers. Everybody gets very excited with these newfangled Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, et cetera. But guess what? Credit cards are faster growing than they are, than those new alternative forms of payment. And like you, you know, I carry my phone and I carry some credit cards and, you know, I might have, uh, you know, a hundred bucks in there for an emergency if I run into the one of the last remaining merchants that doesn't take credit cards. And, you know, we, uh, we all as a society have adapted to this. You know, somebody said to me once, anything worth buying is worth buying on credit. And uh, as Americans, we've got so many different things happening in our lives. We sometimes forget to go to the bank and get our cash. So we just default to the credit card or maybe even do a debit card. So it's very much the new normal. Um, in fact, you know, I was talking with a friend and we were discussing some sort of the changes in the way all of us purchase and behave. And, you know, he was a brick and mortar business and, you know, I was saying to him, Hey, you know, brick and mortars, uh, you know, e-commerce is the new brick and mortars that, 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 that that when you're starting a business or looking to grow your business, you're looking to go in an e-commerce direction, but there's a bunch of hidden fees in that, that you're not aware of. And we, you know, we got to talking about, about that topic and and i think it very much resonated with him and we've been using it more and more in our conversations with our with our delta payment solutions co-op members because they are looking for ways to to grow you know in 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 a post-covid world where they don't have to have contact with that customer and so they're looking to more use the e-commerce channel the omni channel the telephone to uh, you know, cover off the gaps when folks aren't able to stop by their stores.
1: So you just mentioned uh, a co-op. Why are you are you a co-op? So to explain yeah, how that works, yeah.
3: Yeah, great, great question. I, I apologize. I didn't mean to skip over that. So when we were searching around for how to use the 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 power of the team, the power of the group, we realized that you know co-ops have been around for years and years and years. You can go everything from your insurance companies to your great juice companies like Welch's, a great company here in uh in new england or or ocean spray the other one agriculture is very famous for using co-ops. a lot of ag a lot of ag, yeah. ag co-ops we have them in a, the Midwest. a lot of ag co-ops exactly and what we did is we spent a bunch of time researching and discovered there are no co-ops that have been put together uh in this area of payments and in and in payment processing in general so we organized ourselves as a co-op, Delta Payments Cooperative, and we're the management company. So what we do is we, we ask our uh, uh, pr- prospective customers to uh, join the co-op so that we can give them certain benefits that would otherwise, you look, if they were a big public company like the rest of these big merchant processors, they'd put that money in their pocket. They wouldn't return it back to the co-op members. And that is exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to do something by business people for business people as opposed to by financiers, you know, for customers. We're a membership-driven co-op.
1: Well, which is really good because if you're part of that co op, well, we give that part to our C Suite network members as well. But speaking about handing back profits, I need to go make some profits with this message. I'll be right back. C Suite Radio. Hey, we're back. We're uh, live doing a live cast right here on LinkedIn and on Facebook of all business with Jeffrey Hazel on C-Suite Radio. I'm talking with Ben Levitan, the co-founder and partner of the Delta Payment Solutions. We're talking about the fact that they're cooperative and how they save money Um, you know, keeping cash costs down, which is credit costs. And so let me explain, let me understand how it totally works because I got uh, team members that really handle this. But basically I say, look, I've got all those charges through uh, for like dues, dues and services that we have in C-Suite Network or books that people want to buy or whatever it might be. And I have a credit card merchanting account. You take that merchant account and go bid it out. Isn't that what you do?
3: That's exactly what we do. So what we say is, first of all, as a co-op, we have negotiated with the processors and several of them to get terrific rates. So we don't show up as a five or 10 or even 50 million dollar company looking to get a break on our processing. We show up as a half a billion dollar company as a big gorilla pushing back against their attempts to kind of put us down On the rate sheet, which, you know, as you know, you go further down the rate sheet, it becomes more and more expensive. So that's the first step. We show up as a bigger entity using the power of the co-op. The second thing we do is we get a profile. We won't quote you a rate like the other guys, and we won't, you know, throw out some uh, bogus you know, dangle that gets you interested to learn more. In fact, we don't actually even have a sales force. We all work through a network of relationships. So what we do is we try and understand your business first. What's (laughs) happening with your cash flow right now? What is your current cash velocity? How do your customers perceive you for convenience what are they looking for from you as a business and what are the chargebacks i mean
1: do you have a lot of chargebacks i mean a right. business are, with a lot
3: of chargebacks are you the kind of, that's exactly chargebacks is a huge issue and is something that uh, we're very concerned on we've done some great things in that area for our members the other thing of course is reserves does the processor require you to keep some of your hard earned cash on account with them when they really don't need to um so we 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 get that profile we do a bunch of analysis we do that gratis by the way we we don't charge for that we don't think that's the right value uh proposition for our members and then what we do is we look at your profile and we say okay let's look across the relationships we have and we've got over a half a dozen of these particularly in the card not present area what the what they call high risk which is uh, 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 an unfair assignment in our opinion.
1: It's, it's a bullshit, excuse me. It's a bullshit assignment that they uh, assign I, because you don't have a brick and mortar because you you're not out there with a system that's out front that everybody puts through. It, it's a card that I take over the phone or I take through a secure system, like an encrypted DocuSign agreement, Right. And and they say, oh, that could be high risk. So sorry, it's a That's personal. Right. No,
3: no, you're you're <laughs> absolutely right. I'm 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 trying to put a maybe a yep. little bit more of a nicer uh, flavor on it because that some of them are our partners. But the fact Certainly. is,
1: you you can be nice. I don't have to be nice. I'm just going to be truthful <laughs> and transparent. Well, well you're I, 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 let me say yeah. let me say this because you guys helped us a great deal because you can imagine I charge, you know, ten thousand twenty thousand $20,000 for some dues memberships that we have. And of course they look at it and go, Oh my gosh, you're going to have a lot of unsatisfied people. No, I'm not. I, I keep, I, I have a high, high re, re, uh, return rate or, you know, yep. re, retention rate. And I rarely ever have one go back where there was a miscommunication. It right. is extremely rare. Maybe a maybe on one hand in a year of the tens of thousands that we deal with, right?
3: One of of those businesses doesn't have to worry about chargebacks, which is great, Jeff. And and the whole C-suite community needs to know this. What they're looking for is any opportunity to bump you up on the yep. rates to, to categorize rate. you as higher risk and therefore they have a justification to raise your rates. And by the well, way, and, justification- and Ben, and Ben, yeah.
1: one of the other thing is make you hold back cash, which means they held at one point before I switched to you guys, I had a, gr- a bank, a merchant account trying to make me hold a reserve of 20% of my cash. Now, how would you guys like to take 20% of your operating cash and set it aside? No way. You wouldn't want to do that. And
3: I didn't either. You know, Jeff, we've had we've had members call us and say that they want to raise that reserve up from a million to a million five. It's a similar story with our process and our Delta savings system. We're able to take that not from a million to a million one or or keep it at a million. We took it down to one hundred thousand dollars.
1: Well, let me let me also state, so, so let me ask a question, because this is a key one for everybody that's listening right now. I just, I'm such a fan of you guys and so of what you do, because you're so consultative. You educate, you help that. It's it's so good to have. Uh, whether you've got a brick and mortar operation or you've got a, you know, card not present operation, like you mentioned, I'm learning the logo or lingo. Um, why wouldn't I just use, I, I know the answer to this question, but why wouldn't I just use Stripe? Why wouldn't I just use, uh, well, what the QuickBook gives me this one or this one or this one. And by the way, I used to do that. Meaning I took those systems because I thought well, they were convenient. They were easy to do. Oh, that the QuickBooks, QuickBooks, uh, books must know they're my partner. They're doing my books. Right. Yeah. Why wouldn't I want to do that?
3: Well, there's a couple reasons why you got started. Number one, convenience, right? You as a business owner, you're busy doing lots of other things. You just click here. Lots of other people are using it. Why don't I just kind of get on board with that program until your bill starts showing up. And when you start looking at that bill and you start understanding what you're being charged and you think, geez, you know, maybe I I, I should revisit that. You know, it's a it, 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 it seems like money I should have in my pocket. And then you pick up the phone or you send them an email. Yeah, that's why no response.
0: Yeah.
3: Silence. Yeah. Getting on top of business issues is what you do as a business owner. You're the person who has to take care of the problems and address the questions that aren't steady as normal. And one of the things that happens, as inevitably happens, is there's some kind of a dispute or a question they're not home. They're not there to answer the phone. So that's why you wouldn't use a Stripe. You wouldn't use a Stripe um, or some of the other, or QuickBooks, uh, uh, you know, that quick and easy button because that quick and easy button costs too much. Number two, when there is some bump or some change or some adjustment you'd like to make, there's nobody there. They haven't invested in that service and support and, as you called it, that consultative mindset that says, hey, we're on the side of you as a business owner. That's what the co-op says to all of our folks. We're on your side. We're not on the side trying to squeeze you. We're trying to benefit you, and that's what we're formed. That's our mission to do is help you deal deal with issues when they come up.
1: Well, I tell you what, this is this is where you learn, and I'm telling you, you're gonna pay for the convenience. You're gonna pay through the nose for the convenience. And in the end, it's gonna bite you because you really don't get the convenience because there will be a problem. It will come up, it will pop up. And by the way, right now, you've got to educate yourself to really dr- drill down on and, and understand these fees because there's a lot of money. This is not a trivial amount of money. I'm talking about 80 to $100,000 for my business last year that I went and put back in my pocket because I talked to these guys. And we're talking to Ben Levitan, the co-founder and partner of Delta Payment Solutions. And we are so glad to have you as part of a, our partnership in the C-Suite Network. Um, and I'm giving them a blatant commercial. Why? Because he deserves it and they deserve it. And so, reach out to me. There's my email. For those of you who are watching live or all of you know how to reach me on All Business, you just reach out. I'll put you right to connecting to Delta Payment Solutions, Ben, and uh, the entire team. I'm going to make sure they get to know you. So Ben, thanks for joining us right here on All Business with Jeffrey Thanks so
3: much. Proud to be affiliated. Looking forward to helping all those folks out there get what they deserve, more cash.
1: More cash because you're going to need it. Speaking of cash, you're going to need as much cash as you possibly can. And by the way, if you need some help with some cash, don't forget, join us, be a part of the membership. We'd love to have you in C-Suite radio. And uh, Ben, I'll turn you loose. And uh, thank you so much for all you're doing. Get out there and keep saving some people, some money, brother. Thank you.
3: Thank you, brother. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: At the end of every show. I like to talk about what I learned and I learned today. Let me tell you what you're going to pay for not getting educated. Listen, you better get educated. You think that convenience is cool? And I like convenience. We all do. But you know, you ever go to a convenience store and buy something there as opposed to a grocery store, you're going to pay more? That's right. Same thing here. Get yourself educated. You might think it's convenient to have one of these big turnkey systems for your merchant accounts in your business. Okay. Yeah, sure. It's easier. Uh, But if you don't get educated and learn that there's other ways to do it and you can save more of your money by just taking a little bit more time to get to know somebody like from Delta Payment Solutions, I'm telling you, it's money in your pocket and stop flushing it down the toilet. Put it in your pocket. Stop giving it away. Stop you know, pushing that card through that system and let somebody else have your money. That's what I learned right here Here in all business. Don't forget, tell your friends all about all business with Jeffrey Hazlett and C-Suite Radio. We'd love to have them listening with us. And thank you so much for listening.